Ladies and gents, it's the aristocracy, social elite, prominent people on Proclamation News and Governments. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for subscribing. It's day today. Teleological, fruitfully thoughtful process today consists of showbiz news, politics, what's more, what's more, interaction. Nick Goodwin, ex-partner of Bobby Christiana Brown, died of accidental heroin overdose. The late Whitney Houston had taken Nick Gordon under her wing and he went on a date, her daughter Bobby Christiana Brown, the former partner of Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown's late daughter died from an accidental heroin overdose, a post-mortem found. Nick Gordon was found unresponsive at the Chevaton Hotel in Maitland, a suburb of Orlando, Florida, on New Year's Day, and was later pronounced dead at a nearby hospital. The 30-year-old once dated Bobby Christiana Brown, with the pair having publicly announced their relationship not long after the legendary singer Whitney Houston died in February 2012. Whitney Houston died in 2012 at the age of 48. Houston, who was 48 when she drowned in a bathtub at a hotel in Beverly Hills, California, had taken Gordon under her wing after divorcing from her husband Brown in 2007. Gordon called her mum but she's never formalised his adoption or included him in her will. Three years after Whitney Houston's death which US authorities said was at least partly down to years of cocaine abuse and heart disease her daughter passed away after also being found in the bathtub. The 22 year old died after spending six months in a coma with a post-mortem showing she had a number of drugs, including morphine and cocaine in her body. Investigators were not able to determine whether her death was accidental, deliberate or caused by someone else. But her family blamed Gordon. They accused him of giving her a toxic cocktail before putting her face in the water. And while Gordon avoided charges, he was found responsible in a wrongful death lawsuit and ordered to pay $36 to Brown's estate. I mean, it's important to keep away from drugs. It really is the killer of the world. Cocaine abuse, any drug abuse, really need to take on board. If you find yourself doing it and you can't get away from it, you need to pick yourself up uh, and move on. Really, really do. It's a big, big thing in today's modern society really is big big thing to take that on board share it you need to abbreviate it past the youth of today and adults young adults adults old adults still do it. I know they do I've seen it I've seen it first hand it's absolutely disturbing Kate Fernand opens up about feeling constantly compared to Rio's late wife the former Tower Star 28 felt like she was being judged by friends and family for every mistake she made as a stepmom. Rio Fernand, Kate Fernand, BBC One documentary Rio and Kate becoming a stepfamily. 
Cape Ferdinand has opened up about the struggles of becoming a stepmom and being constantly compared to her husband's Rio's late wife Rebecca. The only way is Essex former star, 28, married the former England football footballer last September, four years after Rebecca's death from breast cancer at age 34. She, she quit life as a reality star soon after she began dating Ferdinand in 2017 to concentrate on being a stepmom to Lorenz 13, Tate 11 and 8-year-old Tia. Open up about her new life in BBC documentary, Rio and Kate become a step-family. She said she felt judged by friends and family for every mistake they made. She said, I felt like I wasn't accepted before I met Rio and the children. People took me how I was. No one really judged me that much. And I felt really judged. I felt like I couldn't live up to the memory of Rebecca. I was constantly compared and I wanted to be able to be me. I made a lot of mistakes at the beginning because I wasn't a mum. I felt like every mistake I was making, I was being judged. I found that really difficult. We have Fernand's picture with his first wife, Rebecca Edison, who died in breast cancer in 2015. I did wonder after that happening, I wonder how he would move on with his, with his life. And he has. He had to. Four years later, he waited his time. He didn't disrespect her and he moved on. Ferdinand, who has a new book out called Fitter, Happier, Healthier, added that she couldn't be me. Resulting in the being unable to look after children properly, she continued, I felt like I didn't get any help. I didn't know what the children liked to eat. I didn't know anything about them. Like when we go to the doctors, have the children had chicken pox before? I don't know because no one has told me. I just felt really out of my depth. I needed to help, but I was just getting compared constantly. Fernand said she also felt judged for being a reality TV and said she hoped the new documentary would change the public perception of her. That the Tower character doesn't like the like the perfect person to look after three children, but once everyone got to know me and everyone got to know each other, it's a different view, she said. Her husband, Rio41, also recalls how difficult it was for, for his children to accept his new partner, being a part of their lives, amid their grief in the programme. He said Rebecca's family even, it was very difficult at the start. It's hard for them to accept someone coming in. We understand that they are grieving. Everyone has grieved at to different rates at different points. The film follows the football star's previous BAFTA winning documentary in 2017, Rio being mum and dad. Showbiz on Proclamation News and Gavins. We're going to go into a bit more of a tragical... It's a bit like a politics, you know, the business development. Things that are coming better for today's society. Pensioners go crazy for new hearing aid. At last, the hearing aid that thousands have wanted is now available here in Britain and improving the lives of many who previously suffered in silence. The new device makes it easier for you to hear clearly, to detect and locate sounds with less effort and join conversations like you used to. Let's be honest, not many people want to get hearing aids. It seems most people don't use hearing aids because they have misconception 
that they are big, ugly things for elderly. This common perception is a long way from reality. In years, hearing aids have been revolutionised. They have become smaller, more discreet, more effective and cheaper too as competition has increased. There are many devices that are invisible when worn and available available from just £100. Not much for a tiny supercomputer could transform your life. Some of today's hearing aids can even work as wireless headphones connecting via Bluetooth to headphones and televisions. In 2016, there was also the world's first internet-connected hearing aid. Who knew that? It does some amazing things. Hearing loss still common. However, they are they are still a staggering 6.6 million, 6.7 million people in the UK who could benefit from hearing aids, who could who could continue to talk to themselves and embrace themselves when mishearing things, rather than seek a solution. According to the, to the charity action on hearing loss, on six people in the UK suffer from some form of hearing loss. Untreated hearing loss can have a significant impact on quality of life. Feelings of depression and isolation are common relationships can be become strained to, yet there's no need to struggle. When so many solutions are available to correct the problem, it's your brain that hears not, hears, not your ears. It may surprise you, but actually hear your, with your brain, not your ears. The ears receive sounds and funnel them through the brain which translate the sound into meaning. If you are frequently mishearing things, your brain tries to fill the gaps. This can be incredibly difficult in certain situations, such as noisy restaurants, and exhausting to do as you try to keep up with participating in what is going on around you. Free expert advice. For expert advice, it is recommended that you see a hearing aid audiologist they can help you find the right hearing aid. Anyone aged over 55 should have their hearing aid checked in each year. Remember, modern hearing aids will not just help you communicate better, they can boost your confidence and eliminate those embracing situations when you have misheard something. Imagine all the people that can't hear and they're missing out on the proclamation news and garments, they're missing out on the world's best radio stations on Castbox, some of the world's best elite social clubs on Castbox, audio books, just normal TV. They're missing out because they haven't got an hearing aid. So please share. Let's locate these people, these families that have deaf people in their family and they can point them in the right direction. This is why it's good to uh, tune in to Proclamation News and Governments. We care about others before we care about ourselves. That's why it's aristocracy, social elite, prominent people, because we're caring about the democracy before ourselves, thinking about others. I wear, I've got cold hands, warm heart, and I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I do love the people that tune in daily. To learn more about these brilliant new hearing aids and to check if they are suitable for you, book your free hearing test. There's a thing on the website I'll give you and you can click on this thing to check your location to see where you can get your hearing test and you can get a free hearing test. Answer a few simple questions on the site to find out your nearest store and where you can try and find this. And just click to compare hearing aids, London, East London, all over the UK. Compare, it's called Compare Hearing Aids. Very, very well worth having a look, really is. 
So please do tune in. One more on showbiz. Oscars 220 handbag snacks. Surprise Eminem and Cats Love. 12 standout moments why the Parasites' big wins were the story of the night. There are lots of other memorable moments from the 220 Oscars. 2020 Oscars. It was supposed to be the most predictable Oscars in a long time. With the favourites in most of the big categories deemed almost dead certs in the run-up to the ceremony, and anticipated acting for, uh, front-runners Joaquin Phoenix, Rini Selwiger, Brad Pitt and Laura Dern did, in tri- did indeed triumph, triumph and Southern Korean film Parasite was the surprise big winner of the night. Starting with the Best Original Screenplay Award, it won the country's first ever Oscar and then went on to win its second, third and fourth, including the award's biggest prize, Best Picture. It was the story of the night, but there were plenty of big other big talking points from the star-studded event. Seems... Brad Pitt finally wins his, his first acting award. All the acting categories seem pretty certain ahead of a ceremony with Phoenix, Selwiger, Pitt and Dern all taking home their trophies at the awards in the run-up to the Oscars, including the Golden Globes, the Sargs and their critics' choice. But with 30 years of film under his belt and no acting, Oscar up till now, this is a big one for Pitt. Four-time nominee was named the best supporting actor of this role as a stuntman in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So far this season, the star has made headlines thanks to his speeches joking about everything from the Brexit and Megxit to this single, single status, but he kept the tone with a little more serious from the biggest night of the year. This is incredible, really incredible, he said. Thank you for this honour of honours. This is really about Quentin and Tarantino. You are the original. You are the one of a kind. The film industry would be a much drier place without you. Paying tribute to his co-star, Leonardo DiCaprio. Pitt said, Leo, I'll ride on your cocktails any day, man. The view's fantastic. This is for my kids. Who colour everything I do? Once upon a time in Hollywood, ain't that the truth? 1917, sort of, misses out. War Epic 1917 was a favourite for the Best Picture and Best Director for Sam Mendes leading up to his awards. On the night, he took home three cinematography, sound mixing and visual effects, making it second only to a parasite. However, after success at both the BAFTA and Golden Globe, it was widely thought to a British filmmaker, Mendes would win his second directing Oscar for the movie, which was filmed to appear as one long take. It could have come exactly 20 years after his win, American Beauty, but it wasn't to be. However, the British cinematographer uh, Roger Deakin did win in the category. 
asked backstage what attracted him to the film. He said Mendes was the main pull, subject and working with Sam. Again, frankly, he said after collecting his Oscar, I've done three films with Sam and they were great experiences. At that and World War One, speaking to uh, Sky News on the red carpet before the ceremony, Mendes described the parasite as a masterpiece, so we're guessing they had no hard feelings. Eminem makes a surprise appearance. Of all the names that could have appeared on stage, rapper Eminem is probably not a celebrity who would spring to mind. However, this is his rival, arrival on the Oscars stage almost 20 years after skipping the Academy Awards in 2003, when Lose Yourself was named the best original song. Eminem's real name, Marshall Bruce Mathers III, finally got to perform the song, from the soundtrack to 8 Mile, to mostly appreciative audience. If you have another shot, opportunity, another opportunity, he tweeted following his performance, reference the open lines from the track, Backstage Producer. Lynette Howe Taylor was especially excited, save a moment, momentary panic that didn't have his mic. Director Martin Scorsese. Let's just say it doesn't look like he's a fan. Biddy Elish also performs, but we still have to wait for the bond. In the, 12, in the past 12 months, Billy Elish has become one of the most famous teenagers on the planet after topping the charts around the world conquering Glastonbury earlier this year. She was named the youngest artist ever to be recording a James Bond theme. So when it was announced she would be performing at the Oscars, it was widely anticipated that 18-year-old might be debating the song for No Time to Die, which was written with her elder brother. Viennese O'Connell, but the world has to wait for, for that. Instead, Ellis performed on the Beatles yesterday during the memoriam segment. Ahead of the show, she posted a message on Instagram to say she was honoured to be covering a song I've always loved. Anyone seen the cats to get some Oscars love? Panned and critics, and well, pretty much anyone who watched it. The all-star film version of the hit musical Cats was never going to be an Oscar contender, but in fact, it did get some recognition at this year's awards, providing one of the most memorable moments of the night, courtesy of the two little stars, Rebby Wilson and James Corden, donning their costumes from the film that they presented at the award for visual effects. The pair were happy to poke fun at the film and its own visuals, which were widely mocked on social media. Nobody more than us understands the importance of good effects. Gordon... Corden equipped before announcing 1917 as the winner, sadly, as the fellow cats, as Judy Dench and Idris Elba, the Taylor Swift weren't to join them on stage. That is it on the Wafty Bafty Awards. We're going into politics, proclamations, news, and gatherings. Favourite kind of news DWP goes back to court to block future benefit pills. Oh my goodness, Elizabeth Truss, what are you doing, young lady? <laughs> the government is back in court today for a second attempt to block a legal route used by many people to appeal against benefit decisions. Last year, the politics was reported that the DWP was using the case of Jason and Charlotte Carmichael successfully changed the bedroom tax at the Supreme Court, tried to stop other people from relying on Human Rights Act when bringing a similar, similar appeal. The department lost the case, but it was now dragging the Carmichaels back to court to appeal the decision. If we beat them this time, we hope the route that we use to be protected, Jason Carmichael, 
has told politics. We hope it will mean that the welfare claimants can use the Human Rights Act successfully and free of charge in the lower tribunals. The Human Rights Act, eh? Free of charge. Oh my goodness. The couple's legal battle against the, bed, uh, the bedroom tracks. Bedroom tax begun almost four years ago when a judge at the first tier tribunal ruled the policy was in breach of their human rights. The DWP appealed that decision, but the number of further hearings, the Carmichael's won their case in the Supreme Court and considered the matter closed. Several months later, the DWP went back to court to argue that the first tier tribunal has the power to identify that legislation is a complete human rights act. Not to rule on a case on the basis. If the government is successful in its latest challenge, it could have a major Im- implications for future welfare bills. Should the government win the case, it would severely curtail the powers of the Social Security Tribunal. Lu- Lucy Cad and of Le- Leah Day Slissers, who is acting for the Carmichael, said tribunal will no longer be able to able to address the injustice that is caused to the social welfare claimant by the application of regulations that the breach of their rights protected by the human rights act is another example of the government seeking to undermine dis- disabled people and social welfare claimants in general the dwp said it would be inappropriate to comment on the case before the court's decision is known we need to help these disabled claims out a bit better because we can't get they can't get work they can't get help they can't get the support they need and they can't get out for, to get a bit of freedom to be like an ordinary person is it fair no it's not it's not fair at all it's not because they're being lazy it's because other companies are not taking these disabled people on because they're not doing their job appropriately they're not doing what more than what they should be Victory for bedroom tax couple as DWP defeated in court. The government attempts to block a legal route which is used by many people to appeal against benefits decision has been defeated at the upper tribunal last month. Reported by the DWU using the case, Jason and Charlotte reading the same... I was going over the same one like a repeated repeater. So we're going to the next... The next, next, next news. Made homeless by the state... Britain's assault on women seeking asylum. I've spent the last year with 106 women who sought asylum in England and Wales about their experiences of being made destitute in the UK. These women, with no statutory financial or housing support and no night and no right to work, yesterday, Women for Refuge, women, together with our regional partners, published a report on those how. Harrowing findings, it's the largest recent piece of research, the effect of destitution on asylum-seeking women in the UK. The women who shared their stories come from 29 different countries. A quarter of them were from DR Congo, famously referred to be one senior UN official as the rape capital of the world. They had all fled various forms of brutal violence from their state or community. So they're trying to get over here away, away from their rape victims. You can't blame them. I mean, some of the immigrants that come over here, I'm right against it, but these sort of situations to save save their health, you do sort of make you want to help. 
But we have got to stop population growth in the UK. I mean, where's where do you draw the line to stop population growth in the UK? Do you just say, no, we're not letting no more in? But these women that are getting attacked, these kids that are getting sexually assaulted, where do you draw the line to letting legal immigrants in? We've all got that soft bit part in our heart, and we're all going to sit there and think, let's not let them in, but if we don't, are they going to come and get them raped? Or are they just playing that wild card just to get their visa? 71% of women said they have been tortured and around 60% said they have been raped in their home countries. Others had to face FGM, forced prostitution, trafficking and forced marriage. A third of the women said they had been targeted because of their gender and almost a quarter because of their political activities. Gay women from their countries like Uganda, Cameroon and Nigeria were homophobic violence. Is well documented were prosecuted because of their sexuality. Many of these women made dangerous journeys to seek safety. Almost half of those I spoke to told me they had suffered rape, sexual violence, torture or cap- uh, captivity as they made their way to the shores. But when these brave women arrived in the UK, they were treated with suspicion and hostility. Josephine, who fled from DR Congo after being targeted for her political activities, told me, I was traumatised by this asylum system. I don't think my mental state will ever be the same again. The Windrush scandal exposed an immigration system that is unjust and broken. But even before then, WRW and our partners include women asylum seekers together, Manchester Commentary and Asylum Refuge Action Group, and women with hope in Birmingham, have been seen hundreds of destitute women over the years. We have heard so many stories from them and a routine disbelief that the people seeking refuge and facing the hostile environment. The vast majority of women I spoke for this research felt they had not been believed by their home office in a process that demands unrealistically high levels of the constituency co- uh, coherence and the credibility from the traumatised individuals. I mean, you know I am not sexist in the slightest. I'm straight amical, straight down the middle. I know you probably sit there and think, why are you in a relationship? Why have you got this? I'm not good in a relationship. I'll totally admit that. I'll put my hands up. I'm not good in a relationship. I've got sexually reinhards these. My partners don't seem to justify or give me the recognition that I need or the support I don't. And then we don't get on straight from the start. I can't have fun with um, walks out with kids or whatever, vice versa. I can't do normal things as a masculine man would. I'm masculine in my own way. I'm a strong man. My hands are very feeble and so are my feet and my legs. I do I go way I go about my own way a different a different way. I'm very, very very physically strong in a in such a sense, if that makes sense. I'm not trying to trying to gain myself a while, but I'm trying to gain you an insight to who I am. Women are additionally disadvantaged by an insufficient awareness among some home office decision makers of their own gender-based violence, particularly when inflicted by community or family members. Falls within the UK's obligation to grant asylum, Maryam, who fled the war of Somnia, during which she raped multiple times, waited 10 years to receive refuge after the Home Office made an incorrect decision of her initial claim. In the meantime, she became become homeless, hungry and suicidal. 
Over the years, governments on the both left and right have hacked away the basic protections for people seeking asylum who are banned from working and the claim mainstream benefits while their claims are being processed. They must turn to a separate and more restricted system for the housing and support. Support that equates to £5.39 a day to cover everything from meals, travel to legal and medical appointments to warm clothes and period pads. But once their claims are rejected, often because they have been unable to attain a fair hearing, many women are left with no support at all. The woman I spoke with, who claims refused benefit, feared an ongoing risk of prosecution if they returned to their countries or origin. They therefore remained in the UK in the hope that one day their stories will be believed. Meanwhile, they're forced into the state to un- indefinite and extreme poverty. I, f- I, f- I say forced because it's deliberate. It is a policy created to our government in the hope that pushing vulnerable people with insecure status into desperate and fearful situations will make them leave the UK. The UK is the world's sixth largest economy and consistently reminds us of its long and proud tradition of giving sanctuary. But my research revealed the most shocking statistics of harm experienced here by these women. One woman in our network, Sarah, said, It wasn't what happened to me in my country that broke me. It was what I went through here. Almost all the women I spoke to spoke with were hungry. Whites, they were living in the UK, around half were made homeless, with others sofa surfed with strangers or were trapped in abusive relationships. Just so they could get a meal and a roof for the night. Given their precarious living situations, women were raped or suffered sexual violence. In fact, 32 women who were raped or sexually abused in their country of origin told us they were subjected to rape and sexual violence when living to destitute in the UK. Elvine, who was trafficked from West Africa, said, I trafficked to the UK by a man who kept me locked up and raped me. When I managed to get away, I claimed asylum, but the Home Office didn't believe what had happened to me. I had no accommodation or support for six years. It was so hard for me. I met a man who said I would could stay with him, but he forced me to have sex with him and abused me in other ways. I didn't want to be with him, but I had no choice. All women would say something like that. It despised that. Why would you live with him? Like many other women I spoke with, Evelyn felt unable to turn to the police for protection because she was feared of information would be shared with the home office. Who would produce to be de- uh, detained or deport her? Recent reports show that 2% of the police forces have referred victims to crime in the home office, proving that these fears are very real. I don't know the ins and outs of the story of the... where she's saying about the rape, but she shouldn't have lived the man. I'm not going to condone that at all and I'm not going to agree with it absolutely not but if you're living with a man you're going to give him you know if a woman lives with me not that I would be trying to force something on someone but surely if a woman's come to live here I mean it's vice versa if a man's come to live with a woman they're going to think not their luck's in but you know down the line if you get on you're going to think your luck's in but you don't pressure yourself into someone in the light of the cruel and humiliating struggles, it is unsurprising that almost all the women become t- depressed when destitute. A third said that they actively tried to kill themselves. There were no, no official figures on how many women and men are living uh, destitute, but in 2017, the British Red Cross 
estimates at least 15,000 people seek asylum by destitute in the UK. Echoing the views of other women who shared the stories with me. Agnes, the Ivory Coast said, I've had the dream that one day everyone who seeks asylum will be treated with dignity. On the 14th of February, women of for refuge and women for grassroots partners from across England and Wales will launch Sisters Not Strangers, a campaign to end the destitution of asylum seeking women in the UK in the current political climate of increasing insalubrity and decaying empathy. This is a challenging time to speak for our women who are seeking asylum, but history shows us the potential for real change. I hope that some of you reading this will join our movement in support of a fair and humane asylum system, a system that believes women who have fled danger and gives them from safety they deserve. I will not support that. I'm sorry. Um, we've got to protect our unity, and it's letting legal immigrants in. No disrespect. There's so many... How many other countries that choose from? 57 countries, 52 countries, whatever it is. Why have they got to come to the UK? Why is it the UK? UK is one of the smallest countries in the world and they decide to come here. Go to a bigger, better establishment. Why the UK? Why has UK got to give out handouts? Why has UK got to be able to populate in such a small country? No, no disrespect. You've got Australia, you've got France, you've got America, you've got Brazil. These countries are absolutely ginormous, but they want to come to the UK to get free help, free support. They want to get everything for the UK. It's got to stop. No disrespect. I'm not being um, fascist. I'm not being racist. I'm not being sexist. But it's got to stop all this. We put the Brexit in play to stop these immigration coming in. I mean, if we get raped, where are we going to go? If I get raped, where am I going to go? Who's going to support me? I've been absolutely annihilated by women. No disrespect, I do love, I've got no bad feelings with women whatsoever. I've been annihilated by women to see my children as an alienated father. Finally, after two years, I've got some, some support. It's taken me forever. It's taken me absolutely ages. And we're going to go and let these asylums in. No disrespect, really ain't, but we need to stop population growth. Proclamation of the government. Stay, stay tuned, stay preserved, stay observant. Please don't take my opinions um, ag aggressive impact to society. It's just, I think the formation we need to trigger here is population growth. Because it's going to be the end of the UK. I mean, you think if you let another 5 million people with the traffic, the schools, the hospitals, your families ain't going to get the help they need if you're going to keep letting people in. It's called overflow, it's called overspill. It's called people control. Be serious. Please take it on board.